question. Are you ready for the last days? This is a question I am starting to ask myself every day as more and more Bible prophecy unfolds in front of our eyes. Things seem to be getting more difficult each day, at least from my viewpoint. I start to ask myself, what is my breaking point? Because it could be here today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, or for years from now. The decree could go out to the world that will change everything, and honestly, the change has already begun. So I continue to ask myself, am I ready? Am I grounded enough in the most high, or do I have more work to do? What about you? Are you ready? Are you grounded in Yah? Do you have more work to do? Shalom, and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And before I begin, I almost have to say all praises to the most high Yah and his son, mm-hmm. Yahusha. Mm-hmm. I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington, and we thank you for joining us today as we continue the study of the Mark of the Beast. If you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, please email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Again, if you have any questions or comments, please, while we are live, we would try to get your questions and comments if you email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. So, Pastor, you gave us some jewels last week. What are you? What do you have for us today? Okay, we want to follow up on what we have discussed uh, in our previous lecture. And as we get started, we want to go to the book of Revelation. And in that particular uh, book, we're going to go back to the 13th chapter. And we want to consider two verses as we get into our reading. So let's pause and have a short word of prayer. Eternal Father, as we started the Mark of the Beast system, we ask that you would give us a good understanding of the things that are transpiring in the history of this world so that we can know how to guide ourselves in this present world in which we are dealing, realizing that we are now living in the end time and all of the prophecies are now coming to a culmination in which we can see manifested the things that the Bible has foretold. So as we go into your word, may it be able to instruct and lead and guide us in the way that you would have us to go. Pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Here, here in the book of Revelation, looking at chapter 13, we want to look at the first two verses as we continue our study. It says in the first verse of the 13th chapter, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast come up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Verse 2 says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So, so thus far, we have discovered that the subject, the mark of the beast system, we have discovered at least uh, three beasts. And we're going to kind of recapture those three beasts. 
The first piece we dealt with was Europe, which was a populated area where by a composite beast came up out of the sea. The second beast we dealt with was America, which was a sparsely populated area where two where the two horned beasts came up out of the earth. And the third beast we dealt with was Satan or Satan, which rep was represented by the dragon in the sky. Moreover, what we notice about all three of these beasts is that they shared a connection with the dragon. Now, the dragon gave power to the composite beast, and the composite beast gave power to the beast with the two horns. Now, what we want to consider is the influence of the dragon. So when we look at these three beasts, the beast that was behind the beast that came up out of the sea and of the earth was the dragon. And what we want to be able to see is how this dragon influenced both Europe as well as America. So when we look at these beasts, we know that they have a connection. So Satan influence upon Europe and the United States of America. Now, in Revelations chapter 13, verse 2, we are told that the beast which came up out of the sea had the mouth as a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And in Revelations 13, 11, it says, And I beheld another beast come up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Now, this beast which came up out of the earth was made, according to the Bible, in the image of the beast which came up out of the sea. So when we look at these two beasts, the one that came up out of the sea and the one that came out of the earth. Now, the one that came out of the earth was going to make an image to the one that came up out of the sea. So in actuality, the United States would be an image of Europe. It would not be Europe, but it would be an image of Europe. At this juxtaposition, what we want to concern ourselves with is the mouth and the speaking of these beasts, okay? So in other words, when we look at these beasts, we want to look at their mouth and what they are saying. So we will, ref we will refer to this part of our uh, uh, study as a speaking of the mouth of which we call the stoma lelio, stoma lelio. That word stoma lelio is spelled S-T-O-M-A-L-A-L-E-O. Stomalalia. This term carries the meaning of speaking from the mouth or speaking with the mouth or the mouth speaking or the speaking mouth. Okay. It's like we have the term glossolalia, which means speaking in tongues. The word glossa means tongue and lalia means language. 
So it means, galalia means language or speaking. So when we talk about stomalea, the word stoma means mouth, and lalia means speaking. So we are talking about the speaking mouth. Now, when we deal with the stomalalia in the book of Revelation, we are talking about a mouth speaking. When we consider a mouth, it has reference to a spokesman or a spokesperson. A spokesman is generally an individual who speaks on the behalf of another individual or a group. Now, in our case here in the book of Revelation, what we want to do is threefold, threefold. First, we want to discover who is speaking. Second, we want to know uh, who he is speaking for. And thirdly, we want to know what is he saying, okay? So we want to know who is speaking, who he's speaking to, and what is he saying. Let us consider the stomalalia in this threefold aspect. The first aspect we will refer to as the stomalalia person. The stomalalia person. In other words, who is the person that is speaking? So the stomalalia person is the one who is speaking from one's mouth on the behalf of someone else. So just who is it that is speaking in the beast that is coming out of the sea? So in the 13th chapter, it refers to the mouth three times. Okay. So when we look at the book of Revelation, 13th chapter, we see the beast or the mouth of these beasts three times, okay? Now, the, now uh, so in order to understand who is speaking, let us consider these three references spoken of concerning their mouth. So in Revelation 3, 2, it says, in the, in the latter half of this verse, it says, and his mouth was as a mouth of a lion. So that's the first time the mouth is mentioned, Okay. So in this passage, it speaks about a composite beast having his mouth as the mouth of a lion, having his mouth as a lion gives us some idea as to who is speaking. See, we know it's a lion that is speaking, okay? Now, let us see if we can use the symbolic imagery to see where this mouth of a lion comes from by decoding Revelation 3.2. So when we look at Revelation 3.2, it says it has a mouth of a lion. So in order to decode this text, let us first pull out of it that which we want to decode. So what we have in this text is a composite beast. Let us consider the various parts of the composite beast. However, before considering its parts, let us refer back to Revelations 1. Okay. Here in this text, we are told that this beast has seven heads, ten horns, 
and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads of the names of blaspheme. So after describing the head of the beast coming out of the sea, Revelation 13.2, which we just read, now goes on to describe the body of this beast. It says that the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Now that we have looked at the heads and the body of this composite beast, let us make some connections between its heads and its body. In dealing with these heads and body connections, we will refer to this section as the composite anatomy. The composite anatomy. In other words, here in this section, we want to do at least two things. First, we want to make some head and body connections. Once having made these connections, we then want to take them out of their symbolic description and put them in their literal essence. We start with our head and body associations, which we refer to as the Keith, <clears throat> as the Kife, Kife, Lis, Kife, Lis, Soma, Keith, Keith, Felis Soma. This word is spelled K-E-P-H-A-L-I-S-O-M-A. Kifeli Soma. Now, Kifeli, Kifeli, that means head. Soma means body, just like we have the word psychosomatic. Psycho means the mind. And summa means the body. In other words, it's talking about the man and the body together. But here we are talking about the kifle lisoma. Kifle soma. So the kifle cliff so the kifle lisoma is the head and the body connection. And what we want to look at or what we want to look for in this connection is basically how the heads and the body of the composite beasts are related. Considering, first of all, that a beast represents a king or a kingdom. Now, when we have a beast with seven heads and ten horns, seven heads are the seven mountains, and the seven mountains are the seven kings. So in order to get a handle on this, we want to turn to Revelation chapter 17, and we want to look at verses 9 and 10, Revelation 17, 9 and 10. In other words, we want to find out if this beast, which is a kingdom, have seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns on the ten heads, and they represent uh, what we call kingdoms, then we want to see what it's talked about here. Okay, and then the ninth, in verses 9 and 10 of the 17th chapter of Revelation, it says, it said, and here is the man which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Okay, so we find this woman, which is the whorish woman, which is the false church. 
It says she sits upon, uh, which sits upon uh, these mountains. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Okay. Now, verse 10 says, and there are seven kings. So the seven mountains and the seven uh, heads, they are seven kings. It said, five are falling, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So when we look at this, we're saying that these are talking about some kingdoms. Now, when we look at verse 12 of the 17th chapter, 17.12 says this. He said, and the ten horns. Now, remember, this beast had ten horns, and he had ten crowns and stuff. He said, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Okay, so the ten horns are ten kings, but they hadn't these in this portion of scripture hadn't received power yet. Now, since the beast has seven heads, we know offhand that we are dealing with seven kings. And we also know that the ten horns and the ten crowns are ten kings as well. Now that we know who the beast and its heads and horns are or what they represent, now let us find out who the body of this beast represents. Okay. Now we know that the seven heads of this beast, we know they, they are kingdoms. Okay. We, we got that. Okay. Now we want to look at the body because if you look at Revelation 13, verse 1 and 2, he first starts talking about the beast's heads. And then from his heads, he goes to his horns. And the horns and everything, they are all on the beast's head. So we got the horns and the heads, which are kingdoms. Then he, verse 2, he goes on to talk about the beast's body. Okay, let's see what it is about his body. In verse 2, it says that the body of this beast, which came up out of the sea, was like unto a leopard, and his feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. What we notice about the body of the beast is that it is made up of portions of a leper, a portion of a bear, and a portion of a lion. It has the leopard's body, it has the bear's feet, and it has the lion's mouth. Let us identify these uh, beasts spoken of here. We know from the book of Daniel that he had a dream and visions which contained these beasts. Let us list them. So here in the book of Daniel, we want to go to Daniel 7.3. Let's go to the book of Daniel, the seventh chapter and verse 3. Okay. In other words, you're trying to in identify these portions of beasts which are spoken of in Revelation by John. Now, we want to see what Daniel has to say uh, about, uh, about these beasts. Okay, in Daniel chapter 7, we want to look at verse number 3, and here's what it says. 
it says, and four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now, you notice the beast that we were dealing with came up out of the sea. But Daniel says here that four beasts came up okay, out of the sea, and they were diverse. In other words, they were different from one another. All right. So what we are seeing is we are seeing actually four beasts, whereas Daniel saw these beasts, they were together. But here, these beasts were individual. They were whole. So when we look at Daniel 7, 4, let's look at Daniel 7, 4. Now, in Daniel 7, 4, it tells us that the first beast was like a lion, and it had eagle's wings. Okay? And then when we look at verse 5, it talks about the second beast was like to a bear, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And then the third beast, in verse 6, it talks about a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and it had also four heads. And the fourth beast, which is talked about in the seventh verse of the seventh chapter of Daniel, it says, was a dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had iron teeth, and it was diverse from all of the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So here we have four beasts, which we are told that these great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth, who were these four kings. Now, we know also that Daniel, who served under Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, interpreted the king's dream concerning these same four empires of the world, but by a different imagery. See, Nebuchadnezzar was shown in his dream an image of a man with bodily parts composed of metals and clay. Let us notice how this image of what the king saw parallels with that which Daniel was given here, we find in Daniel 2. Okay, let's go to Daniel 2. And when we go to Daniel 2, we want to look at verses 32 and 33. In other words, Daniel had a dream, and he saw these four beasts. But we notice that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And let's see what he dreamt. Okay, when we turn to Daniel 2 and look at verse 32, it says, this, is, this image's head was of fine gold, and his breath and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass. 33 says, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Okay, so what are we looking at? Well, here's what we're looking at. He said the image's head was of fine gold, the image's breath and arms of silver, the image's belly and his thighs of brass, 
the image's legs of iron and the image's feet part of iron and part of clay. So when we look at Daniel 2, verses 32 and 33, it defines the same kingdoms that Daniel saw among the beasts. Now, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that the king, that he was the head of gold. Now, notice what it says in Daniel 2.38. Daniel 2.38. In Daniel 2.38, it says, And whithersoever the children of men dwell, the, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven, hath he given unto thine hand, and he hath made thee ruler over them all. He said, thou art this head of gold. So he's pointing out to Nebuchadnezzar that the dream that he revealed to him, that he was this head of gold on this image. Now, we know that Nebuchadnezzar is uh, being represented by the head of gold. And it would naturally, naturally follow that the first kingdom spoken of here is the Babylonian kingdom because it was the kingdom over which he ruled. And when we look at Daniel 1.1, we see that he was the ruler over the kingdom of Babylon. So that was the first kingdom. Now, if we know that he, Nebuchadnezzar, ruled over the Babylonian kingdom, then it would also natu naturally follow that the other three kingdoms which succeeded his kingdom could easily be identified as, as, as well from both the Bible and history. It was under Belshazzar that the king of the Chaldeans, empire of the Babylonians, that the Medes and the Persians overcame them. And after the reign of the Medo-Persian, came the third empire, which was Greece, and after Greece, there came Rome. However, Rome was never overthrown, but it was divided. Rome is about the only kingdom that was not, not overthrown by another kingdom, but it was divided. So what do we have here? Now that we have seen these three visions or dreams, of John and Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, respectively, concerning four kingdoms, let us align them together in order to get a good perspective as to how all three prophecies are correlated. And what we would do is to list them in a sequential order, starting with Babylon. So even without the Bible, we could really know that the Bible points out Nebuchadnezzar as the king of Babel, of, uh, 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 of Babylon. And then we can go into other places of the Bible that shows how the Medes and the Persians, they were able to overcome the Babylonian empire. And when we look, look and see uh, in, in Daniel itself, it talks about these kingdoms. But when we go to history, if we know that Babylon was under Nebuchadnezzar, history also reveals that after Babylon was destroyed by the Medes and the Persians, that was the second kingdom. So let us kind of look at these kingdoms because we're trying to get who the beast is in the book of Revelation. Okay? So when we look at the first beast, 
we live with the first empire, which was Babylon. And at that time, the king of Babylon was Nebuchadnezzar. And he was symbolized by the head of gold in his dream. But when Daniel had his vision and dream, uh, the head of gold or Babylon was symbolized by the lion with eagle's wings. And then when John saw this beast in the book of Revelation in the 13th chapter, he saw the mouth of a lion. And then the second beast that we saw was the Medio Persian Empire, which was under the leadership of Darius and Cyrus. And it was symbolized by a beast. It was symbolized by the breath and arms of this image. It was it, it, just like Nebuchadnezzar's head was of gold, the breath and arms of the beast that Nebuchadnezzar saw was of silver. And then when Daniel saw the same beast, it was represented by the bear raised up on one side with three ribs in his mouth. And it had, and when John saw the same beast, what did he see? He didn't see the whole beast, but he, see, he saw the feet of a bear. So thus far, we have Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, head of gold, with the lion with eagle's wings that Daniel saw, and John saw a lion's with a uh, with a lion, a lion's mouth, and the second beast was Medo-Persian under Darius and Cyrus, a beast with the breath and arms of silver, and Daniel saw it as a bear raised up on one side with three ribs in his mouth, and the feet of a bear, and then we have the third kingdom that they call Greece under the rulership of Alexander the Great. And the part of the image was that he had belly and thighs of brass. And Daniel saw the beast as a leopard with four wings and four heads. And John saw the body of a leopard. And then the fourth beast was Rome under the Caesars or the Augustus with legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And then Daniel, when he saw it, it was a dreadful and terrible beef with iron teeth. And then when we deal with John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, he called these uh, beasts the ten horns. Okay, so what we are seeing is is that when we go back to the book of Revelation in the 13th chapter, what we are seeing here is that when John says he saw, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet as the feet of a bear and the mouth, the mouth of a lion. Now, it's interesting that when we look at this, that John only saw three of the beasts, but yet he alludes to the fourth beast, he doesn't, in this particular part, talk about Rome. He only talks about Babylon, which he says has the mouth of a lion. He talks about Medo-Persia, which was the feet of the bear. And he talks about Greece, 
which was the body of, of, of a leopard. But he doesn't talk particularly, particularly about the beast of Rome. But he talks about the others. Now, we must understand also that as John is speaking, that he is speaking while he is under the auspices of the Roman Empire. He, he is in the Roman Empire. He is put on an isle called Patmos and ostracized or isolated there. And he speaks about these three beasts. But the interesting thing about it, as we first started the discourse, we was talking about the mouth, okay? So the mouth is, where's the mouth coming from? The mouth is coming from the lion. And the lion is represented by the head of gold, and the head of gold represents Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar represents Babylon. So if he is speaking from the mouth of a lion, then he is speaking from a historical standpoint from, from, from the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar, but he goes further than Nebuchadnezzar because of the fact that we discovered that both of these beasts, they were influenced by the dragon. Now, let us go to verse number five. So we see that the mouth is coming from the lion. But we said there were three places that the mouth was mentioned. And verse number two of the 13th chapter was the first time. And when it mentions the lion's mouth, it's talking about Babylon, okay? Now, let us go to verse four. And the Bible says in Revelation 13, four, and they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? And who is able to make war with him? Now, verse 5 says, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things, and blaspheming, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Okay. Now, this is the second time that the mouth is mentioned. And we know that the mouth that is speaking is the mouth of a lion, because John has already pointed it out in verse 2. And so he's telling us somewhat of what, the, what he is speaking. He is speaking great blasphemes, and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. Now, we know that this 40 and two months is a time period of 1,260 days, and the 42 months is not only 1,260 days, but it's, it, it, it's also a year of, I believe, 360 uh, which gives us the 42 months and the 1260 days out of uh, three prophetical years. Okay. Now, the third time that the mouth is mentioned is in Revelation 13:6. So we've seen the mouth in 13:2. We've seen the mouth in 13:4. Now we're seeing the mouth again in 13:6. And he opened his mouth in blaspheme against Elohim to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in the earth. So what we're seeing is that the mouth of the dragon is speaking. Now, when we talk about Babylon, we must remember that Babylon did not start with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebu Babylon started with who? Nimrod. So let's go to, uh, let us go to the book of, of Genesis in the book of Genesis, all right? And when we get to the book of Genesis, we want to look at 
uh, chapter 10, Genesis chapter 10, okay? Now, when we get to the book of Genesis chapter 10, we want to uh, look at uh, what we call the, the, the genealogy or the offspring of the various individuals, okay? Now, what we see here in Genesis 10, we see the sons of, uh, 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 of Ham, okay? Genesis 10, verse 11, it, talk, it starts with the, it, uh, in verse 6 it says, and the sons of Ham, okay? So now what we want to do is look at uh, some of the sons of Ham, but not all of them, but the ones that's going to benefit our study here. Now the Bible says in Genesis 10, 10, and the beginning of his kingdoms, now who is this talking about? Let's back back up. And the Bible says in verse 8, Genesis 10, 8, it says, And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Verse 9 says, He was a mighty hunter before Yahweh, wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before Yahweh. In other words, he was a mighty hunter before uh, uh, Yahweh, the king, or Elohim. And then it says that he had a kingdom, and what was the beginning of his kingdom? The Bible says here in Revelation 10, 10, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So Babel was one of the first great kingdoms on the planet Earth. It was started before Nebuchadnezzar. It was started before Belshazzar and the rest of the kings who ruled Babylon. So what this is saying is uh, he was building the city, and one of the reasons why he was building this city was to escape another flood should it come. But Elohim had told him that another flood would never inundate the earth to destroy all mankind. So the name Nimrod means rebellion. So he started off rebelling. He did not want to consider Elohim's command to spread out upon the earth, so he was going to build a central headquarters where he could operate and do what he wanted outside of the auspices of Elohim. He didn't want Elohim to be a part of his empire, so he was building without Elohim. And so as a result, how did he get that information? Well, we want to find out how is it that he was building a city, okay? So when we look in Genesis and we consider Genesis the, I believe it's the third chapter, Genesis chapter 3, okay? Now, here in Genesis chapter 3, and we read verse 6, it says, and when the woman saw the tree that it was good for food, now remember, she had already been informed through her husband Adam and also the covenant that Elohim had given to Adam that she should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7 says, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves and made themselves aprons. Okay, so what we're seeing here, Eve was deceived by the serpent. She was deceived by the serpent because the serpent 
induced her into eating of that which Elohim told them not to eat. So what we are looking at is at least two things. Number one is that it was Satan speaking through the serpent, okay? Now, how do we know it was a serpent, that Satan was speaking through the serpent, okay? Let us go to Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse number 9, verse 9. And here it says, in verse 9 of the 12th chapter of Revelation, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, okay? Now, the Bible calls him the old, the, the dragon, and the dragon was that beast that we saw that was a red beast in Revelation 12, okay? It said, and that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, okay? Why did he call him serpent? Because he spoke through the serpent, that's why. And he says, the serpent, and he is called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and the angels was cast out with him. So what we see here is that that serpent had aligned himself with the devil, and the devil was Satan speaking through the serpent. So we know that. So when Nimrod was talking about building the city, it was the spirit of Satan causing Nimrod to do this. And so when we look at the European nation and the American nation, that that mouth that is speaking, it is Satan's spirit that is speaking through the leaders of Europe, and it would be Satan's spirit that would be speaking to the leaders in the United States to do the things that they want from the beast. The beast has his own agenda. And with his own agenda, what he's going to do, as he has spoken through the European leaders, and many people came over to America, he want to speak again through the legislative halls that are governing America, the same agenda that he had over there. And that is for him to rule wherever he is with his type of kingdom. So we're going to close here. And as we close here, next week we'll continue to be able to explore uh, who he is talking to and what he is saying to the United States is the same thing he said to Europe, but he's speaking through the spirit of Satan who started the first Babylonian empire under Nimrod. Okay, uh, so... If we can go back to Revelation seventeen ten, mm -hmm. could you um, elaborate on that, Mertz? Who are the five fallen, and who is the one is, and who is the and the other is not yet to come? Okay, uh, on on that we we were trying to basically uh discover who 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 uh who was speaking okay but mm -hmm. let, let's take your question though and and look at it in other words in revelation 17 and uh let me see i think we dealt with verses uh, uh okay you talking about verse 11 where it said and the beast that was and verse is. 10 verse 10 and there uh -huh. were seven kings Five had fallen, one is, and another is not yet come. And when he is coming, he must continue a short space. 
Uh, yeah. What that is talking about is that, see, when we looked at the kingdoms, we only really dealt with four, but John was, was dealing with three, okay? But it's he said he had seven heads, so they had to be seven kingdoms. Okay, now, what happens is that when we study the prophecies of Daniel, Daniel was saying that out of the ten horns, a little horn came up out of those kingdoms, and when it came up out of the kingdom, it uprooted three. Okay. Okay. So when it uprooted three, according to uh, verse uh, 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 10, it was said it was seven kings. Uh-huh. It said five are, he said five are fallen and one is, and the other is yet to come. Okay. So when we look at the kingdoms, if five is fallen, they're left two. Uh-huh. Okay. And then it said, and one is, okay, that's three. And he says, and the other is not yet to come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And verse 11 says, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. In other words, that when he uprooted three beasts and started coming up, this little horn in Bible prophecy, which is in the book of Daniel, he says, he began to speak great things of blaspheme and against the uh, Elohim against his temple and against his people. And he said that this uh, one that was coming up, he was sort of like a king, but this was the beginning of the papacy. Mm-hmm. See, Rome was never overthrown. Okay. Rome was like this. Rome was a pagan nation. It didn't have no religion. But then when Christians, so-called, began to take over the kingdom and become so plentiful, Rome accepted the church. And so it became not only a a, a pagan power, but now it became both a political and a religious power. You had pagan Rome, and now you have papal Rome. Now, what do you mean by papal Rome? Mm -hmm. Papal Rome was when they got a religion. They accepted the religion even though they corrupted the religion, they accepted it. So when we're looking at these beasts here, uh, what happened was that the Pope uh, was taken captive by Berthea. I think it was around about uh, 1798 when the United States was coming up. He was taken captive, but they say that when he was taken captive, then he came out of captivity and the other popes began to dominate not only the religious set, set, setting, but also the religious setting. So everything was governed by religion. This is why people came to America to get religious freedom. So when we look at this beast, this seventh beast, which is talking about the papacy, it was wounded, the Bible says. And when it was wounded, then what happened is that after the deadly wound, then it came to rule again. So the same beast that was the seventh beast became the eighth beast. This is why it, it, it was saying in verse 11 of, uh, of, of, of 17, he said, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. See, okay. the beast that was the seventh, when he was wounded, he was still the seventh. But then when the deadly wound was over, he came back with full strength And he says here in the 11th verse of the 17th chapter, he said the one that is the seventh uh, 
the, he said in the one, even he is the eighth and is of the seven. Uh-huh. So you got one beast that is representing these two kingdoms. So he said he's the eighth, but he is of the seventh because they are continuing it. Okay, so the five are fallen. Those are five kingdoms that have already fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you, uh, if you take Babylon, Medio Persia, Greece, mm-hmm. and and Rome, mm-hmm. and then Rome, like I said, is two powers. Uh, they have fallen. Okay. Because if you remember in history, Rome was never overthrown, but Rome fell. Mm-hmm. Other other nations was overcome, but Rome fell, but it, it continued. And as it continued, it was partly strong and partly weak. This is why they call it, it was part of iron and part of clay. The clay was weak, the iron was strong, but Rome continued to go along, but it was it was fragmented and, and divided. Okay. So, so... Who is represented by the one is? That's the papacy. Okay, so that's the papacy. Mm-hmm. That's the reign of the papacy from 538 A.D. Uh-huh. to about 1798 A.D. And Daniel talks about that beast because during that time period, they changed a lot of what the Torah was talking about. And they tried to chain the Bible to the pulpit that the common person couldn't read it, but they could only read what uh, Roman Nism wanted them to read. They could not read the Bible for themselves. And this is why we had the Protestant Reformation, Protestant Reformation that Luther said he believes that the common man could read the Bible because during 538 to 1798, they had changed a lot of what the Bible had said. Okay. And 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 the the other that is not yet to come, is that representing Satan? Who is also yeah, the eighth beast? He's gonna be still eighth. speaking through the papacy, but we we haven't really got to that yet. But okay. he he'll still be working with the papacy to distort the order. And what we are seeing in history is how he's changed the Bible, mm-hmm. and he's continuing to change the Bible. And as a result, he's gonna change it to such an extent that we're gonna go into the mark of the beast system. We'll see how his system is working. Uh-huh. But we have to we have to see who is speaking in history. And once we understand who's speaking, we can see a historical pattern of what he's done. So when we get to the mark of the beast, it won't be just we're looking at a mark, but we're going to see a system of how he has operated all down through history. Wow. And another thing I found that's interesting is uh, just recently, I believe it was in November at the United Nations, Mm -hmm. it was a sculpture that kind of represented one of the beasts. Mm. The sculpture had the body of like a leopard, mouth of kind of like a lion. The bear, the hands were like uh, the bear, feet of a bear, mm-hmm. and it also had wings. And I don't know why, but they said that after, and it, it, it was displayed in November, and I guess through December, now it's no longer there. Mm. And some people, I guess, were saying in the article that I guess it may have been people was up in arms about it is the reason mm. why they're taking it away. But it's just interesting. We are starting to see hints of a lot of things in Scripture now. Mm. You know, why, do, why out of all places would it be at the United Nations? Right, right. Yeah, there was a lot of changes that are taking place and prophecy being fulfilled. 
because we know that down in Babylon that they did, they had uh, sphinx and stuff and statues of maybe an eagle with a lion's head or a lion Mm -hmm. with an eagle's head. And so in mythology and all of that stuff, we already see that's taking place. And now we're seeing it taking place again in the modern setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, we can go on to our next segment. Up next is Let's Talk About That. So today in the Let's Talk About It segment, I kind of want to dialogue about one world religion. Sometimes we, we need to be weary of things we get in the media because we get so indonated with certain things that we lose focus on other things that can be going on behind the scene. So I don't know if any of you know this, but there is being built, and it should be finished sometime this year, a facility called a One World Religion Headquarters. And I'm going to read you a little bit of excerpt from this article that I found on it. And it states, a One World Religion Headquarters is set to open in 2022. The headquarters will be called the Abrahamic Family House. And it is being built on an island in the Middle Eastern city of Abu Dhabi. The headquarters is being done in collaboration with Pope Francis and Sunni Muslim leader Sheikh Amin Al-Tayyib. After they both signed a global peace covenant called the Document of Human Fraternity for World Peace. The stated purpose of the Abrahamic family house is to bring understanding and tolerance among the faiths. The One World Religion Headquarters will have three buildings. One building, each representing one, the mosque, the church, and the synagogue. So if you don't know the mosque, that's where Islam go and worship, the church, Christians worship, the synagogue where people who are Jews, Judaism, they worship. However, the church is not permitted to have a cross on the building as a method of identifying it, as it is illegal to display a Christian cross on the building, on a building in the United Arab Emirates. Sorry. One of the things I saw that was interesting is that the Catholic Church is the only church that is represented from the Christian faith. No Baptists, no Adventists, no Protestant, no Lutheran, Church of God in Christ, non-denominational, just the Catholic Church. And I think we need to start looking at that on a deeper level and asking why isn't other Christian religions. And I think a lot of it has to do is because basically all the, most of the Christian religions are breakoffs from the Catholic church in all. So one of the questions I had uh, was in the days of Noah, one was there a religion? And if so, did they do the same thing that we are repeating now? Uh, 
in some ways we are. However, we want to make some distinctions here. Like in the time of Noah, Noah was preaching the true covenant that Elohim had given him, and the world at that time they were opposed to that covenant, mm -hmm. as we pointed out that up until this time of the flood, that when Noah was preaching, he was considered preaching as a righteous person, not that he was perfect, but that he was doing what Elohim told him to do. And as a result, that made him perfect. And as he built the ark, he was preaching the gospel, but none of them accepted the gospel. They continued to go in the same trend uh, that they did uh, in order for Noah to start building the ark. That was why he was building it, because he was going to get rid of sinful generation. Uh -huh. Okay, So if we say that was a religion, Noah had the true religion, and the other world had the false. So when we come down to uh, our day and what we see, and just like you were pointing out over here, uh, we see that the Pope, uh, Roman Catholicism, uh -huh. they have a house, but there's no other Christian body that you can name that is a part of it. Yeah. And many of the Protestant churches came out from Catholic anyway. So what we're looking at is, why did they choose them over all of the other religions? Simply because, number one is, that when we read about these, the seven heads and the seven mountains, uh -huh. And when you deal with seven mountains, you're dealing with a religion. And when you deal with heads, you're basically dealing with kingdoms. Uh -huh. So we see that the Pope over in the Vatican, he has a city. No other religion have a city. So he's a True. political ruler uh -huh. as well as a religious ruler. That's why he is chosen. If he didn't have that political rule, he probably would be just like any other church, Presbyterian, uh, Methodist or Baptist church, but because he not only has a church, but he also have a city. Mm -hmm. And when you got a city or a kingdom like that, then you can send ambassadors. Your ambassadors can go around the world, okay, because they represent that city, and the person that is over the city is the pope. So no other religion have both a religious base and a city. They don't have a city. So they, they put the pope up there. Uh -huh. So when we compare that to Norris time, then what we are looking at, especially over in Europe, and I believe it, if I'm not incorrect, even today over in Germany, Germany has church and state together. We are talking about in the United States having church and state separate. Uh -huh. But in the days of Nora, church and state, they were together. Whatever you, you did, both politically as well as spiritually, you had it all together. And back in our day, we talk, we say it's church and state uh, separate, but we are seeing that being broken down in the United States. Yeah. So what we are basically dealing with is a power that has political power as well as religious power to be able to be dominant over the rest of the religions. And when you look at Islam, if you study it carefully, you'll find that Islam, many of its practices are similar to the Catholic Church. Yeah. So when you look at the head of Islam, it is under the umbrella of the Pope. And then when you look at the Protestants, as you pointed out earlier, 
many of the Protestant churches come from the Catholic Church. Yeah. So therefore, the Catholic Church is over the Protestants too. So if it's over Islam and the Protestant, who you think is going to be over the world order? Yeah. It's going to be the Pope under the influence of the, dra- of the dragon. And, you know, it's interesting because I haven't really researched it, but I believe Catholicism is probably the longest standing religion. And not only are elements of Catholicism in Islam, but there are elements of Catholicism in Judaism. Mm-hmm, definitely. So basically they're like the head of the octopus and their tentacles go out throughout the world to all these religions mm-hmm. and all. So it only makes sense that, okay, well, that they're going to be represented for the whole Christian church. And the thing what this one article stated was that no matter what Christian faith you are, this was what the church you should be going to is the one that's going to be founded of part of the three religions, the mm-hmm. Catholic, the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, see, when you deal with the Catholic, when Yeshua was walking the earth, uh, he, he was saying to the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them, mm-hmm. he says that you, uh, that you make the word of God or the word of Elohim of none effect by your traditions. Mm-hmm. Now, what were the traditions? Well, many in his day, they were using the, the Talmud and they were using the Mishnah. And all of these Bible, all of these writings that they were using were over the Bible. In other words, they would believe in the traditions that they had from these Talmuds and the Mishnah that was over the Bible. And he said, you're teaching the traditions of men. Mm-hmm. So where did they get the traditions of men? When they went on into the Babylonian captivity for 70 years, they adopted many of the customs of the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. And as they adopted those customs, they integrated many of those customs within their religion. So therefore, when Yeshua was rebuking them about that, he was not talking about the Torah that he was rebuking. He was talking about these extra writings that they had gotten down in Babylon. And when you look at Elohim's calendar, he had 12 months. And one of the the fourth month that uh, Elohim had, they named it after Talmuz. And Talmuz was one of the Babylonian gods. Mm-hmm. And so when they did that, what they were doing, they were introducing a lot of the Babylonian things within the true covenant. And so by the time that the Roman Catholic Church got it and they accepted all of this, much of what Nimrod and the false religions, that was already in the church. But when Romanism under Roman Catholicism accepted all of this, they accepted the paganism with the truth. And then when they saw the truth, they kicked it out. This is why in Daniel 7, 25, it says they should think to change times and laws. It was during 538 to 1798 that many of the laws of the Torah was kicked out and the Catholic put his own system there. Wow. You know, another thing that stood out to me is the organization, I believe, that is over the whole thing is called the For Humanity Fraternity. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows about fraternities, it's what? A brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I broke down and looked at the definition of a fraternity, it breaks down to brotherhood, which also break down to bully. 
which I found that interesting. Mm. But as we know, brotherhoods and fraternities are generally secret societies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, what secrets are going on behind the scenes that we don't know of? And so another thing that came up in the article was a United Nations passed a resolution in December of 2020. If everybody remember, 2020 was the year of COVID-19, an anti-blasphemy law. Now, originally it's supposed to target people blaspheming Islam uh, religion, I believe, that, you know, you can't speak against it. But I think that's going to spread to everything where we're voicing what we are studying on the Bible and how it affects. We're talking about, you know, the Catholic organization and different things. I believe this law is going to be enacted to the point to hush people like us up within a few years, if not sooner than that. Mm -hmm. You know, well, even over in Canada, you know, if uh, they have laws over there that uh, if if you speak out against them, uh, they either shut you down or incarcerate you. They already uh, having laws over there like that. And I wouldn't doubt if they would continue to spread. And, you know, that that's that's something that's a point that is brought up. And that's interesting is because if if we really pay attention to what's going on in the world today and in the news, we are seeing different parts of the beast elements, I believe popping up in different countries mm-hmm. in all to the point, eventually they're going to say, you know what? They have this, they have this. We just all need to come together and just have this thing. One whole world thing. One world, one whole world government, you know, because we see just like with Australia, with the COVID vaccine, if you didn't have a vaccine, you couldn't buy or sell in Australia. It mm-hmm. didn't really, it hasn't, reached us to the effect they're here in America. Mm-hmm. And then how you were saying how they are limiting people's speech in Canada. So it's like, you know, different countries had different parts of it and it's mm-hmm. only a matter of time before they just come all together with it. Right. I think, you know, and, and it's crazy. I remember a few weeks ago we had a conversation and you had asked me, did I believe that we were in the beast system. And I said, no, not yet. I think we're pre, but I think I need to go back on that. I think after reading and seeing some of these things, I think we're right in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only a day or so technically that they have to send out the decree and everything changes fully. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I'm, I'm challenging our listeners to stay abreast. Don't just look at what the media is feeding you. We need to be looking at what is going on behind the scenes, what is going on in the legislative halls, the bills they're passing that we just don't know about because we are focused on something else on the other side. Then looking from be, just looking and peeking behind the, the uh, curtain to see what's going on behind the scenes. You know, I think we get caught up in a Democrat, Republican fighting and this and all of that and the vaccine stuff when the really important issues are just flying by as we don't know. And Mm -hmm. so by the time we are aware of it, it's too late for us to do anything about it. Well, Pastor, can you take us to the throne in prayer before we close out this segment of this podcast? 
Our loving Father, again, we're just so delightful that each Sabbath we can be able to come aside and to be able to ponder your word and to know that you've given us the privilege of living in these last days of Earth's history. We realize that we are in it now. It came back up. We have to move forward, have to make a decision of which we're going to accept. We're going to accept Yeshua or will we accept the kingdom of Satan? Will we accept your true covenant or will we accept that which the beast has given through his religion? Will we accept the things that come from you or will we accept the things that come from the dragon? So as we make that decision, we ask, Lord, that you give us the strength and the grace to be able to do the things that you have asked us to do. And we ask that as we go through this difficult time, some would die, some would continue, but most of all, all of us have to make a decision. So whether Yeshua may come in our time or whether we would lay in the grave, help us to make the decision that we're going to follow you, come what may. We ask thy blessing upon those who are sick and shed in and those who have the Father who have encountered the so-called virus of what we call the corona, that if they have it and it's causing havoc, that you would give them healing. May as they go through the institutions of healing, may you have mercy to bring them out. May those, O oh, Heavenly Father, who are not bothered by the virus, but psychologically they have been disturbed, that you will regulate their minds to be able to be put upon thee. For you have said in the book of Isaiah 26, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee and trusted in thee. So we would ask, O oh, Father, that your word may go out, and that Yeshua's blood, O oh, Heavenly Father, may be accepted by those who are contemplating walking with thee. And with his blood comes his life, and with his life comes the power of the Holy Spirit to take his life and to interwoven into our lives that we can be the children that you would have us to be. That when you do come, whether we are living or dead, we can be resurrected or we can be changed in order to be able to go with you when you do come. But as we go through these last days, O oh, Heavenly Father, give us the strength and ability to do the things that you would have us to do. And when it's all over, we can look back and give your name the praise, the honor, and the glory, majesty, dominion, power, and all of the thanks for your wonderful blessings. Pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. We do want to stress we are live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Just go to our website, psychov.com. S-C-I-C-O-V. Dot com. Go to psychove.com. We're live every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you have any questions or comments, email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Again, that's scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com with your questions and comments. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, again, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. But the mercy of Yahuwah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness until his children's children, to such as to guard his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Until next week, Shalom.